Today, I, I want to use a little visual help, an object lesson, to really drive home what our scripture is for us today. I, I want to give you kind of a, a visual in your mind to help us really understand and apply and internalize what we're going to hear from God's Word. And so um, I, I asked one of our, our staff, Doug, who is an incredibly um, talented carver, to, uh, I asked if he'd be willing to help us out, help me out today. And uh, he was very gracious and, uh, and said that he would. And so he has lent me uh, this carving, that uh, wood carving that he did, um, of a lighthouse. Now, I don't know if you can see it super well from the back. So in case you can't, there's, you know, the screen will have just a little kind of picture of it there um, up on the screen. I want you to have this kind of visual, this, this carving in your mind's eye today as we look at God's Word. See, what we're going to see today in the book of Acts at the end of chapter 2 is sort of like what that video just was, like a, a panorama of this incredibly beautiful sculpture that God has done. It, we, we've got in front of us this, this sculpture that is done not by the hands of you know, somebody in our congregation and, and not made out of wood, but, but actually what the Holy Spirit has, has done, has produced, has, has molded and shaped and whittled and carved in the people of God in the, the very early formation days of the church. Last week, what we found was revival broke out in the book of Acts. Peter, after the Holy Spirit getting poured down, stood up, preached this incredible sermon, looked his audience right in the eyes and said, Jesus died because of you and you can live because of him. And 3,000 people in one day gave their lives to Jesus and were baptized. And, and it was this incredible moment. And then today, we are going to be in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. So grab your Bibles out. If you haven't already, I see a bunch of you have. But if you have not yet, turn to Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 47, and our text today is, is like a panorama of what the Holy Spirit has done in those 3,000 people, okay? So I'm going to read through our text in its entirety, and then we'll dive in. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. For a moment, as a result of the the Pentecost, Holy Spirit, supercharge, we get this, this panorama shot, which is these verses here, of this incredible carving that God has done in an instant in his people. And there are certainly some differences between the picture we have in our text and us here today. There is no doubt that we find ourselves in a different place and in a different time. There is no doubt, and we're going to see, that the the way God, by His Holy Spirit, gets us to this spot and the way it happened in this moment is different. There's no doubt. But what we are going to see, I want to suggest to you, is is we're going to kind of like consider this carving that God has done and see what, what God did in but an instant by his Holy Spirit for a brief moment captured in this panorama summary text has incredible transcendent truths to teach us about what the Holy Spirit desires to do in you and in me and in us collectively. And so what I want to do is looking at this text here, this panorama, I want to draw our attention to see some of those truths that give us insight to understand what the Holy Spirit desires to do in your life and in my life, and in our lives together as a church. So, here's the first thing we see crystal clear coming out of our text. It is this. The Holy Spirit always works to develop a devotion to God in His people. The Holy Spirit always works. He's working to transform His people. And as He transforms His people, He's always working to develop a devotion to God. A fire for the Lord. A a passionate love for the Lord. Notice how verse 42 begins. It says there, they devoted themselves. That word devoted, it's it's really an umbrella word that captures all that we're going to see within this text. And that word devoted in the original language, what it it literally means is just like, like unflinchingly fixated on something, okay? So if you were, for example, this time of year to come over to our house, you would see... Our, you would get to meet our precious little dog named Teddy. Now, our family loves and adores Teddy, and she is a wonderful little puppy, but I have to acknowledge that this time of year, our dog is absolutely infuriating. She's infuriating because in our backyard, 
I don't know if you have this in your backyard, but the squirrels and the chipmunks are just going crazy. They are going around and finding all kinds of acorns and seeds and all kinds of different things to do what they do when it's getting towards wintertime, right? So they're scurrying around all over our backyard constantly. But what this means for our precious little dog is that she is absolutely unflinchingly fixated from one window where she gets up on top of one shelf to another window where she gets up on top of a chair to the sliding door and back around just running and she stands at the window and she just howls at them and if you get her to finally stop howling she will just like 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 shake out of her skin and no matter what you try to do you you can't say anything to stop her you can't do anything to get her to stop. You can't distract her away from these little squirrels. Everything in her is fixated upon chasing down these little squirrels. <laughs> that is what the word devoted means. Okay, that's what the word devoted means. Think that picture unwilling to think about, look at, consider anything else. All attention, all focus, no matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter how you try to, all attention is focused. And what we see, first of all, is the Holy Spirit is working, and he always works, to stir up that sort of devotion in us for God. We see this here. We read that they are devoted to the apostles' teaching in verse 42. Meaning, they, they're devoted to the Word of God. The apostles here are continuing what we've already seen. They are helping the people to see that the whole Old Testament, the Scriptures, all point to Jesus. We, we've seen this. If you go back to last week, we saw that Peter stood up and he said, hey, hey, Joel chapter 2 and Psalm chapter 16 and Psalm chapter 110. Guess what? They all pointed to Jesus. You go back to chapter 1. Peter stands up and he's teaching them from Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. And each day and every day what was happening was the people gathered together and they were, they were unflinchingly fixated on hearing the Word of God explained. Wow! I had no idea that this book had so much hope. I had no idea that this book was so alive and active and relevant to my day and led me to Jesus. We see here, too, that they were devoted to the breaking of bread, which, which most likely, not guaranteed, but I'm pretty sure that this is referring to the Lord's Supper here. Now, I say that because in verse 42, there's four things that's mentioned that they're devoted to, and before each one of them, it says the, and then mentions it. So they're not just devoted to apostles' teachings in general, but the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the prayers, and to the 
breaking of bread. Now, a little bit later in our text, we'll get there in verse 46, it also mentions breaking of bread. And I think that's referring to them just having meals together. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But here, I think it's pointing us to say they were devoted to doing the practice Jesus told them to do, which was to gather around the table and remember Jesus. They were devoted to this because they're like, I can't believe Jesus laid down his body His blood was poured out. Oh, how sweet it is to remember Jesus died for me. They were fixated upon this. They were devoted, it says there as well, to the prayers, to uniting their hearts together, calling out to God in worship, praising God for who He is and what He's done and how how amazing He he is, His love is. How wonderfully sweet the Gospel is, laying before Him the needs of their hearts and their lives. There's a book, a wonderful book on prayer by a guy named Daniel Henderson called Transforming Prayer. I'd highly recommend it. In there, he has this one quote that I've always remembered since the first time that I read it that, that is both humorous and deeply piercing. He says in there, people don't come to your church's prayer meetings because they've been to your church's prayer meetings. Now, maybe in our days, many people would agree with that, sadly. But here, these guys are like, I would totally reject that statement. The best part of my day is gathering together with the people of God to pray. They were fixated on the prayers. It says in verse 43, Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. They were were seeing God move right in front of their eyes. We don't even have accounts of how many different things that went on in terms of miracles being done, people being healed, demons being cast out. It was unmistakable that God was in their midst and their hearts were just stirred up to say, Oh, praise you, Lord. Every day, verse 46, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. That word, verse 46, where it's in our English translated, every day they continued. That that word continued there, it's actually the same, my dog, devoted word. It's it's the same original Greek word as we had in verse 42. It says it again. They They were devoted. They were fixated. They continued in these things, they were devoted to corporate worship and small group worship. These were not at odds for them. It wasn't like either I'm going to come and gather together with the whole church or I'm going to gather together in my home with a few people. It was not either or. It was both and. It was both and. They went to the temple courts to meet together kind of like what we're doing right now. And then they broke up and went to each other's homes and met together to worship the Lord there together too. I I don't know if you have a concept of like small groups being like a recent thing in the last few decades around the church. They're not. They go right back to the very beginning of how God formed his church. Corporate and small groups, both 
worshiping God. All of this is giving us this glimpse. It's like this panorama we're doing of this carving that God has given us right here by this supercharged Pentecost Holy Spirit moment of what God desires to do amongst his people. The Holy Spirit always works to develop a devotion to God in his people. He always does this, friends. These things we've just mentioned, hearing the Word of God preached, celebration, com- celebrating communion, uniting in prayer, seeing the power of God at work, coming together to worship all together, uniting in our homes. Get this. These are the Holy Spirit's initiated activities to stir up devotion in the people of God. These are not man-made ideas with somebody just creatively thinking this is a good idea of what I think we should do or did the church down the street did these things and it worked well for them so we're just going to copy what the best idea around the corner is. No, these are the Holy Spirit's initiated activities to stir up devotion. Now, are they a formula? Just do A, B, C, and then you'll have devotion. No, they're not just a formula, but they are like air upon coals to fan it into flame. So let me ask you, how's your devotion to God doing today? How's your passion for Jesus right now? How how flaming, how high are the flames of the fire of your soul for the Lord at this particular moment? Do you find yourself burning for Jesus? Let me ask you another question. How are you responding to these means that he is trying to teach us to live this out? If you find yourself in a lukewarm position, are you leaning into the things that we see here that God says, here's how your soul fans into flame? Because the Holy Spirit, he always works with a desire to stir up a devotion to God in his children. He always does that. Are you leaning into what he's trying to do in you? Here's the second thing we see. The Holy Spirit always works to develop a devotion to one another in his people. So not only does the Holy Spirit always work in the believer to stir up a passion for the Lord, he stirs up a passion for your brothers and sisters in Christ too. That same fixation and unresolved, unwavering focus we see in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That word fellowship there is such a rich word. 
There is so much depth to that. It's a word, if you've been around church circles before, you've heard thrown here, there, and probably almost everywhere. And, and it's almost thrown around fellowship as if it's just sort of this thing you do anytime you interact with another individual who's a Christian. So if you go over to Roy's and grab a coffee, or if you are chatting in the lobby after the service, or if you run into somebody in the arena and you just chit chat with them, you might say, oh man, that was such sweet fellowship. That was so wonderful. And, and we use it almost like it's equivalent of just socializing. We talk about the weather, we talk about the Leafs game last night, and, and it was fellowship. And maybe, but maybe not. See, the, the word fellowship is so much more than just socializing, friends. The, the concept biblically of fellowship is so rich and deep. It, it is a Christian by the Holy Spirit stirring up another Christian's soul to love Jesus. That's what fellowship is. That, that same word, the exact same word fellowship, is used in a whole bunch of different contexts in the Scriptures. Let, let me give you some examples. It's the exact same word that is used in Philemon chapter, verse 6, to talk about evangelism. The verse will be up on the screen there. That word sharing in that verse, talking about sharing the good news of Jesus, it's the same word. Fellowship. It's the exact same word that is used in Philippians chapter 1. When Paul talks about how the Philippian church partnered with him to send him out as a missionary. Same word as fellowship, translated there as partnership. It's the exact same word as 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which talks about Paul going and collecting this big offering for a benevolent offering for a bunch of, of the poor brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And where it says there, where they shared their money, they gave generously, it's the same word fellowship. It's the exact same word that is used in 1 Corinthians 10 to describe what happens when we come and participate around the Lord's table. Same word. All of those together. See, if you, if you think fellowship is chatting over a coffee, you have so misunderstood the depth of what this concept means. It means soul-to-soul -soul conversation. It means uniting around the communion table. It means declaring the gospel. It means partnering together in ministry. It means bearing one another's burdens and benevolently looking out for the poor. It has all of this wrapped up together. That is what the Holy Spirit works to stir up amongst his people. We see in verse 44, it talks about the incredible generosity that started to come amongst the people. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. They looked around at one another in the room, and they're like, does anybody have any need? And they weren't just like, oh, okay, let me see. I got, I got a little bit of you know, money here in my pocket. Here you go. They were like, oh, you have a need? Okay, well, I'm going to go and like sell my TV. 
I'm going to go and sell my car. There's one guy, we'll meet him in a couple weeks. He actually went and sold his farm and gave all of the money from his farm sale to go and meet the needs of everyone else around them. This is the sort of radical devotion to one another that the Holy Spirit stirs up in this moment as we consider the panorama that's before us. And then verse 46, it says, Every day, we read this one already, let me read it again. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. So again, just like, just like that picture of my little dog fixated, they were devoted to being in each other's lives. They were devoted to gathering together week in, week out to worship corporately and to go to their homes and open their doors and invite one another in and get to know each other. To actually know and be known. To actually rub shoulders and live life together. To not skirt in and skirt out and hide at a distance and stay at just talking about the weather, but to really enter into the joys and the sorrows, the celebrations and the pains and all that is life. They sat across the table with one another and ate meals together and spent time together. They were fixated on these things. The Holy Spirit always works to transform His people. What we see here in this account, this, this panorama shot of this carving that the Holy Spirit has worked out here is this incredible picture, this visual for us of what the Holy Spirit has molded and shaped and chiseled and done in this Pentecost supercharged instant moment. Here's the end product of what the Holy Spirit intends to do amongst his people in our text. And notice what happens as a result. Look at verse 47, that final verse. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As God did this incredible work in their midst, everyone around was just like, whoa, I can't get what's going on in you. It, it, was, it was contagious, drawing others in. I need what you've got. I, I came across this quote from the mid early, early 300s with a Roman emperor named Julian. This was a completely pagan Roman emperor who wrote this letter to one of his, you know, I don't know if it was general or one of his, one of his people, bemoaning how much in the first couple hundred years Christianity had spread. He was really upset and disgruntled by it. And listen to the words that this pagan Roman empire writes in the early 300s about the church's spread. He says, atheism, and that's, that's what the early Christians were called to be. 
atheists. That's interesting, isn't it? Atheism, which is what he was talking about, Christianity, atheism has been specially advanced through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It is a scandal that there is not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans care not only for their own poor but for ours as well, while those who belong to us in vain couldn't help them. Did you catch what he just said? The reason why atheism, Christianity, has spread so much is because they are not only looking after their own poor so well that they're all looked after, that they are even looking after all of our disenfranchised, hurting, broken, and poor. And everyone looks at them and is like, what's going on in you? I need what you've got. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Holy Spirit always works to transform his people. Now having said all of that, one of the biggest, most radical differences between us today in this moment and what we see in these six verses in Acts chapter 2 is how the Holy Spirit does this. Okay? So there, there is no change in the fact that these are the things God, by His Holy Spirit, wants to move His people towards. There is no doubt that these are the ways that the Holy Spirit wants to mold and shape and chisel you and me and us collectively together. He desires to stir up a devotion to God. He desires to stir up a devotion to one another. That has not changed, but here's the radical big difference. See, Acts chapter 2 is, is like that first video we watched that was the panorama of the finished product. See, in a moment, in a moment, the Holy Spirit, in this supercharged Pentecost, Holy Spirit come down moment, did this. This picture. From there forward, you keep reading in the book of Acts. It didn't all stay that way. And you read through the breast of the, the New Testament. What you begin to see is that the Holy Spirit still works towards this end, but what we aren't to do is just pray, oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit so we can instantaneously look like this. That's not how it works. Remember, as we go through the book of Acts, we always need to remember that narrative is not normative. What I mean when I say that is reading the account of what God did once doesn't mean that's how he does it every single time. In a unique way at Pentecost, in this moment, Acts chapter 2, God instantaneously gave a short little snapshot of here's the end game. But I want to show you a second little video. You can go ahead and cue it there of how this carving came to be. This is like a super fast forward of Doug working away. See, a little bit 
by little bit by little bit. A plain piece of wood is chipped away. Little bit by little bit by little bit, one piece and then another and then another and another are cut off to eventually land in what we have as a finished product. The Holy Spirit always works to transform God's people. In the book of Acts, what we have here in this section of chapter 2 is a snapshot panorama of the finished product, but what we see in the rest of the journey of the book of Acts and the New Testament and God's working continually on from there is that the Holy Spirit does this normally bit by bit by bit by bit. Let me show you just a couple texts. I could give you lots. Let me give you two. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says to the Philippians, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God has begun a work in you and he's continuing to do it little bit by little bit by little bit. And he's going to get to the end. He's going to finally produce a finished product, but it takes time and process. Here's a second verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I really like the way the NLT captures the sentiment here. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more and more and more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The Holy Spirit works bit by bit little bit by little bit, to make us more and more and more into the image of Christ. We have in Acts chapter 2 a display of a finished product. The response for us today is not, let me say it again, is not to say, Oh God, we just need you to do a miraculous work of pouring down your Holy Spirit and instantaneously make us Acts chapter 2. That's not the takeaway. The response to the way God works is little bit by little bit by little bit to lean into what the Holy Spirit's desiring to do in your life to make you and I and us collectively together into this image. So if you are here today and you have given your life to Jesus, well, let me just say, if you're here today and you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, just look back once again a little bit more, or if you weren't here last week, go back and watch last week's sermon. Look up the page a little bit earlier because it starts with, this whole thing starts with that message Peter gave last week, okay? It starts with you right now can have Jesus in your life. The Holy Spirit can enter into you, into you if you give your life to Jesus. Right this very moment, if you believe in Him, He will come and live in you. And that's available to anyone and everyone, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Jesus is here to rescue and save you if you put your faith in Him. And if you have our text today in this passage, is showing us what it looks like 
what the Spirit of God desires to do in you, brother or sister. What we see right here plainly in our text is that the Holy Spirit desires to change you and me. This is what he does. He always works in his people to transform us. And what we see here is this glimpse of a few of the things the Holy Spirit is trying to work in this moment and in here for each one of us. He is trying to work in you, to stir up in you, a devotion to this book. The Holy Spirit is trying to work in you to give you a love and a passion for God's Word, to study it yourself, to read it, to memorize it, to hear it preached, to come around and say, I need to hear the Word of God. I need to apply the Word of God to my life. I want to be pointed to see that it's all about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is trying to develop a devotion in you for worship with your church family, like this right now. The Holy Spirit is trying to develop a devotion in you to love and delight and chase after and long for small groups in your home, getting together with brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit desires to stir up in you a devotion to come around the communion table and to remember Jesus. That it, that it wouldn't just be a, oh, that's what we do again, I'm getting up, da, da, da. and my mind is off in 10,000 other places about what's coming for the rest of the day, but to say, no, I can't wait to come, and when I eat the bread, it reminds my heart and soul back to Jesus. Oh, such sweet Thanksgiving, drinking the cup. I, I long for this. That's what the Holy Spirit desires to do in each one of us who are followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is trying to stir up a fixation in you to get together with others to pray. The Holy Spirit is trying to stir up a devotion in you for fellowship, deep, soul to soul, known and loved, and knowing other brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit is trying to stir up a devotion in you to generously look out for the needs of all of those around and open-handedly say, none of this is my own. Who can I help? And the Holy Spirit, He doesn't force any of these things upon us. He doesn't make you or I do any of these things but he is trying to push us toward these things because these are the things that we are made for. These are the things that, that bring fullness of joy and life. These are the things that our world needs to see so that they are drawn towards Jesus. So, If the Holy Spirit is trying to nudge you and I, and I, th I think there is no doubt that he is toward these things, how are you reacting? 
How are you reacting to his poke, his gentle, loving nudge? Are you hearing these things, the Word of God, the fellowship with brothers and sisters, the gathering around communion, the uniting together in worship, the getting into our homes together, the generosity with your possessions, the the heart to pray with us? Are you leaning into these things and saying, oh, I, I want these things? Oh God, do more in my life. Little bit by little bit by little bit. Sure, of course. But are, are, are you inviting these things? Are you leaning into these works of God? Are you saying, oh, I want more of it. Please, Holy Spirit, have more of me. Lead me, guide me in this direction. Or do you find yourself holding back? You find yourself with that list of things that God is trying to do in you and you're kind of like, eh. Resist. Avoid. I, I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine doing it my way right now. I, I, I don't really, may, maybe other people need that. I don't really need. I, I think I'm good to just keep cruising. One more time. The Holy Spirit always works to transform God's people. He's always trying in you. So let me read this final scripture. And then we're going to respond by coming to the communion table. Hebrews chapter 3. Bethel, hear these words. Perhaps right to our hearts today. So as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation and I said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. Is today called today? Let us encourage one another so that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The Holy Spirit desires to transform you, friend. He desires to transform me. He desires to change us as a people collectively together, this church. Today, if today is called today, do not harden your hearts. Lean in to what He is trying to do in your life.